Last April, the market was in as dark a place as any of us had seen for more than 10 years. 35 percentage points lost off the S&P 500 in 32 days. It was a funny time to be picking stocks, but that's exactly the discipline that I've tried to embody and that I hope so many of you are practicing. Show up, be present, pick a stock, buy a stock. It's time in the market, the old saying goes, not timing the market. And that goes for whether the market's risen 50% over the previous year or lost 35% over the previous month. And so I picked five stocks for the coronavirus. And maybe you even bought them too. And boy, am I glad for my every 10 weeks discipline because they have been, well, well, we're going to talk about that. Two years ago, it was five stocks for the age of miracles. We're going to review those too. And three years ago this month, it was five stocks I own that you should too. Spoiler alert, one of these things has not done well. Now, does it sound like we're going to be reviewing a lot of stock picks this week? You betcha. With three talented guest stars helping us make sense of what has happened, three reviews, this must be a review of Palooza episode only on this week's Rule Breaker Investing. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder, David Gardner. Welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. I sure hope you enjoyed Telling Their Stories, Volume 2, last week with my friends and yours, Jason Moser and Matt Argersinger. That was really fun. I love that format, and I know many of you do too. We've gotten great feedback on it. Uh, and keep that feedback coming. In fact, I'm going to request feedback in two forms right up top for this week's show. The first is that next week is our mailbag. So I love to hear what you think of what we've done this month. We started with five stocks to teach rule breakers. Speaking of five stock samplers, that's how we kicked off April. We'll be reviewing a bunch of them this week, as you already know, but telling their stories. And then, of course, review of Palooza this week, but just four weeks in April for podcasts this month. So next week, mailbag, your opportunity to give me feedback. What's working for you? What could work better? What should we start doing? What should we stop doing? I'm always open to your thoughts and feedback on our mailbag every month. Again, our email address, rbi at fool.com. RBI, by the way, an acronym for Rule Breaker Investing. Ingenious, I know. RBI at fool.com also runs batted in for baseball fans, which I am. I think a lot of you know that. So rbi at fool.com, the email address at rbi podcast is our Twitter account for this podcast. And then a second form of feedback, I love it when you give us reviews. So anytime that you are on Spotify or iTunes, wherever you listen, consume, as they say. I don't like that phrase, consuming content. I don't think of myself as a consumer of content. But anyway, wherever you enjoy podcasts, if there's an opportunity to give us one, two, three, four, or five stars, along with a sentence or two about why you think what you do about Rule Breaker Investing, that helps other people find the show that helps me and Rick figure out what we should be doing and what you like and what you don't like. So feedback always welcomed and thank you for it in advance. All right. We have three past five stock samplers to review this week. And pretty much each of these was picked just about this very week, one, two, and three years ago. And for each of them, I'm going to have a guest star join me. Well, typically for our review of Palooza episodes, we go youngest to oldest. So let's do that this week. We're going to look at five stocks for the coronavirus from last year. We're going to look at five stocks for the age of miracles from two years ago and five stocks I own that you should too 
from three years ago. And if we spend a little extra time with any of these, it'll probably be the third because we're closing that one out this episode. That's right. Typically, my five stock samplers are a game that we play for three years. And once three years expires, uh, we say goodbye forever to that five stock sampler. That's what we'll be doing with five stocks I own that you should too this week. And first up this week, I've got five stocks for the coronavirus. These stocks were picked on April 8th of 2020. I already kind of set the stage for that at the intro up top on this show. Yep, it was a very unusual time. And uh, here to join me to review this five-stock sampler, my friend Tom King. Tom, welcome back to the show. Thank you, David. And thanks a lot for taking a look over these stocks. And there was a lot of volatility. I should say right up front, as I do for every sampler, how did the market do? And the answer is the S&P 500 from April 8th of last year through this afternoon, we are recording Tuesday afternoon, April 20th, is up 50.1%. And I know a lot of people are disappointed by the market's performance the last one, two, or three months. 2021 hasn't been great at different points, but wow, 50% up for the market from a year ago. I'll take that every year and every day till Sunday. So Tom, we're looking here over five different stocks, and I want to focus first of all, on the worst performers. So I'll say the names of the stocks right up front, the five stocks for the coronavirus, all basically companies that I thought these guys can make it through the hard time of the coronavirus. These are not bricks and mortar retailers. These are not restaurants. These five stocks for the coronavirus are and were Peloton Interactive, P-T-O-N, Roku, R-O-K-U, C Limited, ticker symbol S-E, Teladoc, T-D-O-C, and finally, Zoom Video Communication, what we're using in part to make this podcast happen, ticker symbol ZM. So Tom, let's focus first on the worst performer. And I'm sorry to say that Teladoc is the worst performer for this for this sampler so far. We're just one year in out of three, but Teladoc up 29%, the market up 50%. Tom, down 21 percentage points to the market. What's been happening with Teladoc, which by the way, is still up from 139 to 179, but just not as high as the market. Yeah, I think that uh, most people wouldn't complain with a 29% return in a year, um, but obviously we compare ourselves to the S&P 500. Um, and if we underperform the S&P 500, that is a, um, a failure in our eyes since um, we're not adding value if we don't outperform the S&P 500. Well said. So yes, 20, 29% versus the markets, you said about 51%. Um, I would, th- I would uh, there's probably two reasons for this. Um, the first uh, reason is that uh, Teledoc merged with Livongo Health uh, last year. Both of them, mer- they were about the same size when they merged. A merger um, of equals, if you will. A merger of equals, yes. And um, for financial analysts like us, analysis of a company becomes significantly harder after a large merger like that for for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, your commonly monitored metrics can be wonky for a while. Uh, you get a lot of um, non-recurring costs associated with that merger and organic performance uh, becomes a lot harder uh, to assess. So that uh, decreases visibility and that and the lower visibility increases uncertainty. So it probably results in people saying, well, let me just sit out for a while and just see how how things go in the future. And, and when things are clearer, we'll get back in. Um, second reason was probably that um, 
some of its guidance that it uh, uh, released the end of uh, in the latest quarter, predicting its uh, its projected performance for this year, twenty twenty one. Some of it after the rapid growth of twenty twenty um, probably seemed a bit low um, hmm. for analysts' likings. You recommended re recommended it in Rule Breakers this this month, David, and as we explained in that piece, you know it it's it's a very uh, short term outlook that the market tends to take in these things. Um, so even if twenty twenty one is a little bit slower than twenty twenty, uh, you know we are looking for a, a lot longer term. That is very true, and you know I just did an interview with a CEO of a public company in the past week. And one of the things he said at the end of that interview was that he'd enjoyed it in part because it wasn't all about trying to me filling out uh, spreadsheet row number 68 for my quarterly model of his company. We actually just talked about the business and the future, and that jumped out to him as unusual in terms of the interviews that he finds himself doing. So I do agree with you, Tom, that we do take a longer term viewpoint. That helps us, by the way, look past underperformance, which is what Teladoc has presented as surprising as that is, given telemedicine and its importance over the last year and I think over the many years ahead. But Teladoc and Lavongo, that was not something we were counting on when I picked this five stock for the coronavirus sampler a year ago. It's a big thing that happened, one of the big mergers really of 2020. And so far, it can always be a little bit messy and a little bit of underperformance. Um, Thank you, Tom, for reviewing this. A reminder, the stock is up 29%, so we're certainly not feeling badly about this, and I I like the the stock going forward. Well, let's shift then from the worst, Tom, to the best. And I'm really happy to say that it's hard even to identify the best among the other four because the worst of the other four is up 170%. These are eye-popping numbers. These are all real, though. Uh, And that would be Zoom is up only 170%. Well outpaced by Peloton, up 283%. That's even after a tough announcement this week. But Peloton itself, Tom, outperformed by Roku, which was up 303%. But the king of this five-stock sampler, this is only one year in. These numbers are just insane. Is C-Limited, ticker symbol SE, up 417%, way ahead of the market's 50% gain. Tom, let's focus on C-Limited. A lot of people... Um, especially if they're full fans, will probably know this company, but most average investors, especially in the U.S., probably have never heard of Sea Limited, spelled S-E-A, but that's not about ocean, right? I think that's for Southeast Asia, Sea Limited. Yes, yeah, Sea Limited is a e-commerce company uh, based in Singapore. It also has a big uh, gaming operation. Um, in 2020, it was a very good year for Sea Limited. It did really well. Uh, it doubled its revenue um, from $2.2 billion in 2019 to $4.4 billion in wow. uh, 2020. Yeah. And this growth, uh, this growth was uh, mostly organic. Um, it, it made virtually uh, or made a very small, uh, spent a very small amount on acquisition. So mo- almost all that growth uh, came from organic expansion, which is very impressive. Um, on the margin front, um, it, incru- it improved its uh, gross margin by three percentage points and its operating margin uh, by uh, 11 percentage points. 
looking at the cash flow statement, um, 2019 was the first year the company had positive cash from operations, which is always a um, milestone mm-hmm. for a uh, new company. And then in 2020, we saw cash from operations um, go up nearly eight times from 70 million to 556 million US dollars. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that gain in uh, cash from operations came from unearned revenue, which is a situation where a company is paid upfront by its customers and receives that cash and must then deliver the service over a period of time in the future. And only once that service has been delivered do accounting rules allow the company to post that as revenue. So that is sort of two advantages for the company. Uh, number one, it allows C Limited to get that cash up front and use it to run its business, which reduces its reliance on investors for money. And second of all, it makes the future revenue stream uh, a bit more certain. So you can see that that revenue is there to be earned and investors like to see that. Um, so yeah, in summary, it grew rapidly. It strengthened its business by by bringing in um, all this cash from operations, and it's also you know just benefiting from these um, these macro uh, tailwinds that have you know been that we talk about a lot. You know the rise of e-commerce and increased gaming. People are at home a lot more, playing a lot more games. So it's all um, uh, benefited C Limited. Well, thank you for that analysis, Tom. And you know, it's funny looking back. Uh, even just over the last couple of months, the stock's gotten knocked down. It, it hit a high of 280, 280 in February. It's somewhere right around 235 now. So we're talking about a stock that has that has declined um, about 15 percent. Uh, we've seen some other rule breakers lose a lot more value than that just over the last two months or so. The market has been volatile, but take it all in all, take the long view. This has been a, a really great performer, and I want to highlight the market cap of this company. It's larger than most people might think. We're not going to play the market cap game show right now with this one, Tom, but the market cap for C-Limited is $126 billion. I think a lot of people would underguess that, thinking this is a smaller, more emergent company, but this is a company of real size and heft, and rightly so, because uh, yes, e-commerce is a big thing for it. As you mentioned, uh, its computer game uh, and games division are are kind of the, the dog wagging the tail at this point. But they have that future positioning for e-commerce that I think uh, is the reason we're mainly invested in C-Limited. Anyway, I don't think anybody could have dreamed that it would be up five times in value from a year ago when we picked it for this sampler. Tom, before I let you go, I do, I hate to brush over three other stocks that are two, three, and four baggers on their own. I will give the final accounting for this sampler very shortly. But is there anything that you'd like to add about any of the other three stocks, Peloton, Zoom, and or Roku? Yeah, well, they, they all did well. Uh, with, with regards to Peloton, I'm, I have, and I'm and perhaps you have too seen the Peloton trucks around uh, delivering the equipment. Um, and we probably all know someone who's bought a Peloton. Um, and you've probably noticed other companies begin to offer competing products, companies like Nordic Track. So um, one of the signs of a rule breaker is being top dog and first mover in an industry. And um, I would say that this definitely applies to Peloton. Um, turning to uh, Roku, uh, Roku grew its 
a number of subscribers uh, by 14 million to 51 million at the end of uh, last year, and that, that was a 38 that was 38 percent growth, and streaming hours uh, grew 55 percent. So streaming hours actually grew more than the number of subscribers. So from that we can infer that people watched a bit more on Roku, and that makes sense considering how much more time they were spending at home. Um, and it's also impressive considering how much competition emerged in the last year, particularly for Roku, so that the fact that it uh, gained people's attention is is uh, impressive. Um, Zoom, obviously, a company we all know well. We use it, uh, most of us probably inter- interact with it fairly regularly. Uh, it grew revenue by 326%, so that's 3.26 <laughs> times from 2020 to uh, 2.7 billion for the whole of 2020, and of that 2.7 billion in revenue, it generated 1.4 billion in free cash flow, which mm. was up 12 times from the prior year. Um, it's uh, it's a metric that it provides called its net dollar expansion rate um, was for its 11th quarter higher than 130 percent. So that means that in Q4 quarter four of 2020, it was the latest quarter, um, all customers paid 30% more to Zoom than they did in the fourth quarter of 2019. And this figure includes impact of selling additional products uh, or selling fewer products and customers who stop using Zoom. So mm-hmm. of, those, of that cohort of customers that remains for the entire year, all of them as a group paid 30% more to Zoom, which is a very impressive um, uh, uptake uh, of Zoom's products. And it just is the kind of growth that we will rarely see in future. We're always looking for amazing stories of growth for rule breakers, but to have it in that compact a time because of a specific reason, really, as we all know, coronavirus. These were five stocks for the coronavirus. Zoom was pushed to amazing heights. And I will say, even though the company fell down once or twice, had some security problems, etc., boy, for the most part, it rose to the occasion. And it's amazing to think that it was 117 a year ago, 318 today, and yet it was outperformed by three other stocks in this sampler. So this one is going to go down in history as one of the great five stock samplers. I think I've had five out of the 29 we've done historically that have returned three times or more. That would be a 200% gain or better. But the others took three years to do it for the most part. This one is up 240% on average versus the market's 50%. That's 190 points of alpha per stock multiplied by five. That's 950 points of alpha generated in one amazing year. This is a fun one to lead off with. And Tommy, you reminded me before the show, the last one you were on to review was five stocks for April, the draft. Now, those of us who remember fondly April, the draft will remember that was a great five stock sampler too. So Tom, thank you for bringing good luck to this podcast. Thank you, David, and very well done on your picks. And uh, yeah, I think we all thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Well, I mean, and I thank you because you, uh, working with me both on Rule Breakers and Stock Advisor, as well as all of the analysts who typically join me to review these, making great contributions to our services and our team. So thank you again, Tom King and Foolish Best. Thanks. Bye. All right. Well, let's go back in time then, the Wayback Machine, if you will, please, Rick Engdahl. That's right, because we're going back one year before last April. That would be two Aprils ago, and I had biotechnology 
in mind. That month, that week, the date was April 3rd, 2019. So here we are just past two years later, five stocks for the age of miracles. And what I was saying at the time is we're living in a miraculous age. And I do feel as if events since then have even only further proven that. To think that we as a species could come up with not one, not two, not three, but four or so coronavirus vaccines within a year and everybody deciding which one should they get here just about a year and a half later is truly remarkable from the start of coronavirus, presumably in China, to where it is everywhere in the world today. And so that's a small miracle. Uh, But small, my friend Carl Thiel joining with me this one, small, Carl, is probably the way to think about the performance of this particular five-stock sampler because Wow, this was the 19th all-time one I've ever done. This is the single worst performer. This is going to be painful. Let's get into it. All right. So, Carl, (laughs) let's start with uh, the five companies, the five stocks for the age of miracles. And here they are alphabetically. Amgen, A-M-G-N, Bluebird Bio, B-L-U-E, Editas Medicine, E-D-I-T, Illumina, I-L-M-N, and Vertex Pharmaceuticals, VRTX, every one of these, I would say, an impressive company, a proud enterprise in every case, I hope. I mean, Bluebird Bio might be feeling a little bit worse for the wear right now, but these companies are very impressive companies, and yet I did so unimpressively to pick them two years ago this week. I was a little taken aback that you said it's your worst ever because I, I mean I hope I'm not spoiling everything if I say that that the poor, the five picks are up in aggregate barely but I mean they are up they're not down so I mean it, it seems you know it could have been worse. Thank you, Carl. I appreciate you saying that. This is because we compare ourselves against the S and P 500. And by the way, this game is not over yet. We've got a whole nother year to come back. But this is at present the greatest underperformer. Um, I'll give away a little bit of the story here, but about 39 percentage points behind the market per stock. I guess the bad news for me is the S&P 500 went up 43% over the last two years because these stocks only went up 4% on average. I do want to say before we get into the worst performer, and you're going to be talking some Bluebird Bio with me here, Carl, but before we get there, I want to say this very group of stocks was literally beating the market three months ago. I was pounding my chest, happy about these stocks. And boy, what a difference three months have made, especially for Editas Medicine, which I know we're going to talk about. But this is a very volatile sampler. Let's start now with the worst stock. Carl, two years ago this month, Bluebird Bio was at about $162 a share. It's touching the scales today around 28. It's lost 83% of its value. The market up, as I mentioned, plus 44. So that's a huge goose egg for me uh, in the win column. What's happening with Bluebird Bio? Bluebird Bio has had a lot go on and um, you know, a lot of it's negative. Some of it is of their own making. Um, so uh, there's kind of two major things that happened with them is they ran into kind of regulatory and manufacturing delays, which I think you really have to lay at the company's feet. I mean, they, they basically weren't able to establish that their scaled up commercial manufacturing was going to yield the exact same product as the manufacturing they did for clinical trials. And that's kind of, I mean, that stuff is hard. These are complex biologics, but it's also like, that's, you know, part of running a company. So I, I think that's that one's squarely on Bluebird. It's obviously not anything we expected. Um, 
The other major event that happened just a few months ago is that they came out and said there's been two cases of cancer developing in people who were treated with our main gene therapy product for sickle Mm. cell disease. And so, you know, the fear here was like, not only does that scuttle this product, but it potentially scuttles the entire gene therapy platform. It might just be that it's unsafe. Now, I'm glad to say that that second problem appears to not be a problem. They've actually, it's it's interesting that we're doing this today because they literally just earlier today came out with an update on this um, following something that they said about a month ago, which is essentially these two patients, one of them, there is basically zero reason to believe that the cancer they developed had anything to do with the, uh, with the drug. And the second one, it, it, the patient ended up not even having the condition that they thought they had. So at this point, I think... Um, they move forward with the gene therapy product. I, you know, I don't think their commercial plans are necessarily all that disrupted. But you know, it's it's just been like it's been kind of a, a lot of it's like every silver lining they have just comes with another dark cloud. So I mean, at this point, they've 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 kind of lost a lot of the lead that they once had in beta thalassemia and sickle cell as it as um, other people move forward. So yeah, I you know. Bluebird has lost value some you know somewhat with good reason. I mean, I think their promise is a little bit duller now than it was before, but i I, I mean, I also think this is one that it's going to look different a year from now. I would expect when you do your three year review. I hope so. I sure do too, and we'll be closing this one down because like most samplers, this one was picked for three years. Good news. We're only through two so far, and I am happy to hear that good news from earlier today for Bluebird Bio. This is a stock, again, that has dropped from 160 or so to around 30. Basically, this used to be a $10 billion-plus enterprise, judged by market cap, Carl, down to just two, just under $2 billion today. Yeah. But maybe it's a bounce back. We've seen these stories before, and it wouldn't be the last time that we might look back a year from now and go, wow, it was a great buy back there. We will see. All right. Well, from our worst performer, let's now move to our best performer. And I've got some bad news for anybody who likes rule breaker investing. Our best performer itself has underperformed the S&P 500. Again, the S&P up 44 percentage points. Our best performer so far in this five stock sampler, Carl, is Amgen, the old stalwart, the biggest company here by far. The company's stock up 192 two years ago to 259 today. Good news up 34%. Bad news market up 44%. So this stock underperforming by 10 percentage points. But we're presenting this as the hit, as the best news for this five-stock sampler, Carl. So what positive spin do you have for me for Amgen last two years? Well, first of all, if you gave me a new pick and could guarantee me it was going to be up 34% in two years, I would be very excited. <laughs> I would take that. So it's really not that Amgen has done poorly. It's, it's been a remarkable period in the market. But, um, you know, Amgen has just been a company that's that's been in this sort of, uh, I don't know, painful transition phase, maybe. Um when it first went on to the uh, to the scorecard, it was this kind of you know, assumption that it was going to be in sort of negative or or zero growth um, for a long time going forward, that really hasn't happened. But the problem with them is they were seeing a bunch of their really big legacy products that brought in a lot of revenue start to have biosimilar competition. And the question is like, are they going to be able to make up new revenue as fast as they're losing old revenue? And 
the answer ultimately is they have. They've 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 managed to do it. They've gotten um, a little bit of luck on some of the products, and they've managed to introduce some new things. And in the meantime, continue to to increase a decent dividend. Um, so, I mean, all in all, Amgen has been, you know, it's it's maybe not been as exciting as some other companies on the technology front, but they've been they've been doing what they needed to do, and uh, they have some more stuff coming. So, well, thank you for that. And yeah, the dividend on this stock at at present price is about a two point eight percent yield. And I know many of my listeners will know what a dividend yield is, but for those who are new to this, that just means basically that if you own this stock and hold it for the next year, you can expect to be paid. A dividend, which which um, equates to approximately a two point eight percent interest rate. It's kind of like com- compare that to your C- your thirty day CD, if you will. Um, we're seeing just that you get paid some stocks for owning the stock through dividends. Of course, that's a minority of most of the stocks that I recommend and follow, uh, and probably a minority of five stock sampler appearances are made by stocks that pay dividends. Most don't. We love companies that are growing. And when they have that extra cash left over at the end of the day, they don't necessarily just want to pay it back to shareholders. They want to reinvest it in their growing enterprises. That's a better use of capital. But certainly a more mature company like Amgen, it is appropriate at $147 billion market cap that Amgen can afford to pay a dividend and pays one that's attractive, especially for income-seeking Investors. So, a little bit of background on Amgen. It's market cap, which, by the way, Carl, before you came on, I was talking about C Limited with Tom King, part of the five stocks for the coronavirus. C Limited's market cap around 125 billion, not that smaller than Amgen. Amgen's like the big daddy of the whole industry, the longest player, one of the very biggest biotechs of all. C Limited, an upstart by comparison, but almost with the same market cap. So, it's interesting to think about the dynamics of different industries. Absolutely. Amgen, not just a big biotech, but really one of the biggest pharmaceutical companies around. Very good point. Biggest pharma. I need to get biopharma out of my mind. Remember pharma? Biopharma is pharma, and it certainly does rank up there with any of them. Uh, Carl, let's talk about some of the other stocks in the sampler before I go on to give the grisly final results. Let's specifically focus on one stock here, Editas Medicine. This stock was at $26.75 two years ago when I picked it. Three months ago, it was at 90. And when I said these, this sampler was beating the market, Editas was at 90. Today, it's at 34. It's still up 27% from two years ago, but it has made a huge drop. What has been happening with Editas Medicine, ticker symbol E-D-I-T? I think when we put this on the scorecard originally, we promised excitement, didn't we? Did we not promise excitement? <laughs> I think it's fair to say an Age of Miracles sampler will have excitement. So I, this, so Editas Medicine is pursuing a technology called CRISPR, and this is a really new approach to gene editing um, that is commercially unproven at this point. It's scientifically unproven. I mean, it's being it's, there. There's ongoing clinical trials, so there's a lot of room for volatility in this. They had a tremendous, tremendous 2020. The stock just really exploded, and it has come down. I can't give you exact reasons for either of those things. I mean, I can I can point to some stuff. Uh, it went up in 2020 because there uh, there was advancements in clinical trials and and particularly uh, some trials looking at using CRISPR as opposed to gene therapy in 
sickle cell and beta thalassemia, the same things Bluebird's going after. Um, some really exciting early results from not from Editas specifically, but from CRISPR Therapeutics. And um, Editas is a company that we have in our scorecard just kind of as, as a, I don't know, for the record or whatever. Um, at the time we picked it, it was the only public uh, CRISPR company. The other other companies like CRISPR Therapeutics and Intellia were not on the market at that time. That's right. But anyway, um, Chris, uh, Editas is also working in this area, also has some like very impressive looking lab results, and there's a lot of excitement about it. At some point, it just, you know, the wind started to come out of the sails. There's not, I mean, there's, there's you know, there was an analyst downgrade. Some people have called into question um, their more advanced program, which is in a specific form of blindness. It's being done in a very different way. So the way that the CRISPR editing works for things like sickle cell is you're taking out patient cells, you're treating them. It's actually, in a lot of ways, quite similar to what Bluebird's doing. Um, it has some of the very difficult myoablative stuff where you're giving people loads of balsufan and stuff and putting it back in. But Editas is also doing a thing where they're just basically giving you an injection like a drug. Um, so an, an in vivo approach. And that's a little bit different than than uh, CRISPR therapeutics. And there's been some question about like, we're not sure they're getting enough editing that that's really going to work. And that could be true. I don't know. Um, it's possible that that side of the company doesn't work out as well. And I think that's been a little bit of a negative. But, you know, I think this is one, boy, you just do not play this one for the next three months. <laughs> well, I, I, I think I make it hard without meaning to on my analysts who come on and try to explain why stocks have done what they've done, because it's not always cut and dried. It's not always easy to understand. Looking at Editas, uh, a recommendation we've had for several years now, and one that I hope will have several years more. A lot of members are going to own this stock, kind of bouncing between 20 and 40 over the course of 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20. Depending on when you would have bought it, it might or might not have been a market beater, but it was really at the end of last year. This looks like a meme stock graph, but it went from 30 to 100, basically from November of last year, yep, just a few months ago, into January. 30 to 100, and it's retraced its way back to 30 four as we're speaking right now. So I don't know that that can really be that effectively explained, but Carl, if it can be, you're going to do it. So if you're a little bit perplexed by it, I am too. Maybe there's some meme stock, crazy Reddit crowd stuff going on with Editas. I'm not sure. I know one thing though. We like the business. It is a speculative technology and we will keep our fingers crossed that they hit some more of their milestones and the stock starts to go the right direction. For this five stock sampler though, as we close, it has about one year to look awesome, to make this five-stock sampler into a winner. Again, for all of the stocks we're sharing with you this week, including the five that we're about to share with you as Rick Munares joins us very shortly, all of these are long-term recommendations. Even though I'm playing a three-year game for this podcast's purpose, these are stocks in many cases we've held for years before that and will continue holding years after the three-year five-stock sampler game expires. I think most fools know that. I want to make sure all fools, capital F, know that. And so you do. So, Carl, let's let's do the final accounting for this one. These five stocks, only one of them is actually down. Bluebird Bio down 82%, but the others all up between 17 and 34%. The problem is the market's up 44%. So all five of these underperform. On average, they're up 4%. The market's up 43%. So on average, we're we're down 39 percentage points per stock. Um, I'm not going to ask you to promise that they'll be better a year from now, Carl, but would you promise that they'll be better a year from now? 
I promise that they'll be different. <laughs> what the heck? I'm, I promise they'll be better. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that promise. And, uh, you know, I, I'll stick with your first promise. I certainly won't hold you to the second. It will be different. It's an interesting world. And anytime you're living in an age of miracles, and there are lots of incredible things happening in healthcare around us every day, really. Uh, Carl, thank you for keeping us apprised of that as a longtime teammate for Stock Advisor and Rule Breakers and joining us this week on Rule Breaker Investing. Fool on, my friend. Thank you. All right. Well, um, I'm going to say we went from the sublime to the ridiculous, and now we'll go back to the sublime. Rick Munares, great to have you join me once again on Rule Breaker Investing. Hey, Rick. Hey, how you doing, David? Really well. And three years ago, it was just about today. This is April 18th of 2018. The theme was five stocks I own that you should too. Now, I don't exactly remember what I did there. I guess I was just looking over my portfolio that day thinking, well, I own these stocks. And I mean, I'd be silly not to mention them as a five stock sampler because my money's where my mouth is. And so here are five stocks I own that you should too. They're from different industries, Rick. I don't see anything else that really unites these five. Yep. You just owned them three years ago, that that much for sure. So, yes. Yes. And I'm happy to say I do own all five still today, as is my want. I typically don't sell very often, if at all. So, over the past three years then, from April 18th, 2018, to market close last week of full three years, April 16th, 2021, the S&P 500 was up 55.7%. We can round that to 56. That is the number each of these stock picks was trying to beat. All right. Well, let me give the five stocks up front. They are in alphabetical order by company name, Activision Blizzard, ticker symbol ATVI. Alphabet, G-O-O-G. Intuitive Surgical, I-S-R-G. Match Group, M-T-C-H. And Zillow Group, we'll just call it the Class C stock. I think that's the one with the simpler ticker symbol of just the letter Z. So Activision Blizzard, Alphabet, Intuitive Surgical, Match Group, and Zillow, five stocks I own, still own them, that I think you should too. So, Rick, let's start focusing on the one underperformer in this group, Activision Blizzard. Man, do I love this company. I play and love a lot of their games, but Activision Blizzard was at $68.69 three years ago, closed out last week at $96.48, up 40.5%, but unfortunately, that's about 15 percentage points behind the market average. Rick Munares, what's happened with Activision Blizzard low these past three years? So yes, Activision Blizzard. And again, when you were talking about it three years ago, obviously you're very passionate about video games and Activision Blizzard. You said at the time you, that you were playing Hearthstone uh, almost every day. Are you still playing the game, David? Just I am sorry. almost every day. So okay. that remains accurate. So you're not the reason why the stock has not done well. So you're doing your part. Uh, but I, the company itself, again, I mean, this is a company that puts out big games uh, and Call of Duty, uh, World of Warcraft, Starcraft, Diablo, and of course, Hearthstone. And 2019, revenue declined. And the company told us this. It didn't surprise anyone because it did say that this was going to be a transition year. Uh, they were doing a lot of things while they were happening. Things were happening. But all in all, the company's done sort of okay. Uh, the Overwatch League that was just starting out when you recorded the original sampler is doing just fine. Uh, uh, it's, it's third season just wrapped up in October of last year, and it had 1.55 million viewers uh, globally uh, through YouTube, Huya, uh, which is the Twitch of China, and Billy Billy, uh, which is up 38% from the viewers it had last year on ESPN and ABC. 
So this is a company that's doing well on some fronts, but it's disappointed the market in that it's been delaying a lot of other games. So Diablo is a very big franchise for the company, and people have been waiting for Diablo 4 for a long time. Yeah, and, I'm one of them. Yeah, and originally it was like, oh, it's going to come out in 2020 uh, and maybe 2021, but the company's conceded that, hey, look, 2022 is probably going to be it. And the same thing with Overwatch. I mean, it's just been basically 2016 is when the Overwatch game came out. But we've been waiting for Overwatch 2, and this is also getting pushed out. Anyone that follows these video games, whether it's Electronic Arts, Activision Blizzard, or Take-Two Interactive, where we've been waiting for Grand Theft Auto, the latest Grand Theft Auto for years, for a decade almost, you have these delays because developers need to get these games right. So that has weighed down on Activision Blizzard. And also from the investing perspective, this is a time where there's a lot of other hot games out there. In the last three years, games like Fortnite have exploded. Roblox, which recently went public, is a company that, well, not a game itself. It's a virtual world that a lot of young users are are enjoying. So you do have a lot of competition right now for Activision Blizzard. I think a lot of parents, by the way, I'm hearing this from various young parents at The Fool are saying things like, this is Roblox's world, and I'm just living in it as they fork out another four bucks for their son or daughter to buy something else in Roblox. Well, Activision Blizzard has a lot of its own great franchises, and you're right, Rick, a couple delays. Um, this is one of those companies that, especially the Blizzard part of Activision Blizzard, it's like we will not put it out until it's ready. And sometimes those games take longer, but they're kind of like Pixar. They're always shooting for a hit. They never want to miss, so they're going to try to get it right uh, for better and for worse. Well, in its strength is its weakness, and Activision Blizzard has still been pretty strong, up 41% over these last three years. The problem is the market was up 56%, so we underperform with this one. Well, Rick, as we've been doing this week, let's go from the worst right to the very best. And this is Match Group, ticker symbol MTCH. The online dating platform, the global online dating platform, was at $47.14 back on April 18th, three years ago. It closed out last week at $145.30. That is a clean triple. Yep, up 208% for Match Group. Rick, I don't think you or I was using Match Group. We've established, you told your story in this podcast a month or so ago, you're a happily married man, as am I, for the better part of around 30 years or so each. but So we're not using Match Group, but a lot of other people are using Tinder, etc. Yeah, definitely. You and I got married before app, the App Store was around. But yeah, there was online dating uh, back in the 80s and 90s uh, when you and I were courting. Uh, but again, I mean, it's, it's we found our mates the old school way, uh, you know, begging, I guess. Um, so uh, yeah, Match Group. And again, we say Match Group, and it's almost like it's almost like when eBay, when PayPal was part of eBay, and it was becoming a larger part of his business. When you say Match Group these days, it's very much Tinder. Tinder is the biggest driver at Match, and you also have a lot of other rising apps like Hinge uh, and some of the old school apps like OkCupid and Plenty of Fish. There's a lot of stuff besides Match.com, uh, which is more of an old school traditional uh, desktop now app based uh, platform. But what, what's really made Match Group tick here is that people still want to connect with other people. And even last year, then you if, you if you told me at the start of the pandemic, hey, what's a company that you think is going to suffer? I'd say, well, people are going to go out on dates. So Match Group is going to be a tough, tough stock. But sure enough, their revenue rose 17% last year because people were mm. still connecting. They were still 
n- t- talking, discussing, and and maybe saying, you know what, uh, you know, we're just going to meet anyway, uh, you know, and, and throw caution to the wind. But people were still establishing a lot of connections on the app, so it's it's really exciting how they've done stuff like this, and they've also taken advantage of the climate to acquire even more properties. Uh, they acquired in, back in February, just two months ago. Uh, they acquired a company called HyperConnect out of South Korea, and they paid one point seven two five billion dollars in cash and stock which is a lot of money, but this is a company behind an app that is the most popular one-on-one video and audio chat app uh, in the world. Uh, And I'm just really excited how they can use that to apply to their other match group properties uh, to add a new dimension. Uh, uh, So there's really some exciting things here happening with match group. But yeah, I I was as surprised as anyone to see if you would give me this list, not so much in 2018, but at the beginning of 2020, uh, I really would have thought match group would have been the worst performance. Sure enough, uh, it was the heartthrob. And that's why it's helpful. Well said. That's why it's helpful to be diversified. That's why we don't just pick one stock samplers. We pick five stock samplers. And of course, five stocks is a small number of stocks. These are samplers. Most fools, I think, should have a minimum of 20 stocks in our portfolios. Uh, Many of our listeners will have many more stocks than that in their portfolios. It is a great reminder that Match Group really is sort of the global leader. And when you do find the lead husky in these kinds of emergent industries, uh, that's the dog or horse that we like to bet on. Because if you're not the lead husky, the old line reads, the view never changes. If you're playing catch up, uh, it's not nearly as much fun. So finding the innovators and the leaders, you know, we've seen Bumble go public in the last uh, several months. This is a more female focused uh, dating application. And, uh, you know, stumbling and bumbling a little bit out, out of the IPO, uh, the stock down somewhat significantly from where it IPO'd. So uh, it's hard to get it right, and it's it's great to be the king. And Match Group, it remains the king globally of this business, and it's been a great stock. So really happy it was part of this five-stock sampler. Really happy I own it and that you might too. And uh, let's just talk briefly about the the other three. Just, just a minute or two on each, Rick. Since this is the last we'll ever talk about this five-stock sampler, we're closing it out. It ended technically last Friday. Those are the numbers I'm sharing. So let's go alphabetically through the other three. The first one we haven't talked about is Alphabet. Alphabet went from 1,072 to 2,297. It was more than a double over these three years. Thoughts on Alphabet? Yeah, and Alphabet has clearly done well. And it's a company you don't hear a lot about. It's the kind of stuff you, you sort of say, wait, Alphabet's doubled over the last couple of years? Mm. Um, because it's such a nice, slow, steady, on base, you know, like, like a good base percentage hitter uh, in, in baseball terms. But the thing with Alphabet is it's an online giant, and that means it's in search, it's in advertising, and it's just about everywhere. And in the podcast three years ago, you were discussing the art- artificial intelligence angle, the AI angle to it. And technically speaking, AI is still a lowercase in this Alphabet soup. Uh, it's okay because Google services, which is basically search ads, Android, YouTube, is 92% of the business. And Google Cloud, which is the, the, the cloud-based services and the enterprise software part of it, makes up most of the rest. In Alphabet, they have something called Other Bets, which is where this autonomous driving that's Waymo, which is part of their AI initiative, a lot of these cool subsidiaries and, product and you know, uh, smaller projects is less than half a percent. But revenue grew 13% last year at Google, at Alphabet rather, and it's the 11th consecutive year of double-digit growth. And 13% is actually the worst of those 13 years. 
so it's actually a slow year for Google, for Alphabet in general, but it's definitely a great producing company uh, that's right in the right places, the intersection of search, advertising, uh, and it's not going away anytime soon, even though there are definitely a lot of distractions being a big tech company these days that a lot of people are cracking down on what they're able to do. But for now, um, Alphabet is just doing so many things right. Well said, Rick. Let's move next alphabetically. Two more here. Intuitive Surgical, ticker symbol ISRG. One of the original rule breakers, one of the early great picks for the Motley Fool Rule Breakers service, a multi-rec many times since. Intuitive Surgical, 471 three years ago, 812 closing out last week. Not quite a double, but it did beat the market by 17 percentage points. Rick, Intuitive Surgical. Yeah, so Intuitive Surgical is the company behind the Da Vinci Surgical System, which is like a robotic arm that helps surgeons make better, more precise incisions where they're doing surgical procedures. And the number of procedures that Intuitive Surgical can do has grown over the years. Uh, The stock was our second worst performer, but the fact that it did so well when 80% of your picks are beating the market, obviously, it's a a great sampler. Uh, The the company has struggled through the COVID-19 crisis. There are a lot of medical equipment stocks that have thrived in this climate. They're the other way around. They're on the opposite end of the of the spectrum because a lot of people view their procedures, some of them, as elective procedures. So a lot of hospitals were holding back on some of the stuff that would be using intuitive, surg- intuitive surgical gear, and they get paid per procedure. And also some hospitals just budget conscious, which is natural, were holding off on new sales. But uh, So they had back-to-back quarters of negative uh, revenue growth, year-over-year revenue growth in the second and third quarter. But in the fourth quarter, they did bounce back into positive territory. And it's just this is terrible timing on our part, but maybe beautiful timing that as we're recording this right before, right as the market's starting to close on, on Tuesday, and this is when uh, Intuitive Surgical is going to report earnings. So basically in half an hour, everybody else is going to know more than you and I know, David, by the time they're hearing this. Uh, but the company uh, clearly you know, not, didn't have a great 2020, but with 5,989 systems uh, out in there, 7% more than they had a year ago, you have to like its chances going forward as some of these procedures get back on the, on the, on the scheduling Understood. Yeah, a lot of these elective procedures uh, can be delayed. And boy, were, were hospitals being used for more important purposes or more urgent purposes anyway in 2020. Certainly slowed down intuitive surgical, but it's it's a juggernaut. It's really hard to slow down at this point. It's hard for me to see any company ever presenting a legit Pepsi to this company's Coke. If this were Coca-Cola, I don't see any other competing beverage at anything like the same scale. So it remains a great stock to hold. We'll trust over the next three years or so as we close this sampler out. Rick, let's let's talk about Zillow. Zillow was around 49 three years ago. It closed last week, 135. So this stock, almost a triple up, 176 percentage points, smoking the market by 120 percentage points. Zillow. Yeah. So real estate, uh, which is Zillow's game, is hot right now. And even though that's technically a mixed bag for Zillow, uh, and I'll get into that shortly, uh, investors are excited about Zillow, the stock. And back in 2018, uh, the original uh, sampler, when you introduced it, they had just started their iBuyer program, which is basically now Zillow offers, where they actually... You know they're proactively seeking homes to buy, so you can sell your home to Zillow if Amazing. you're in the right market, uh, which is a game changer for Zillow as far as revenue. Uh, but obviously, a, a big shift from what their original model, which they still do, which is allowing agents, uh, real estate agents, to uh, have access to uh, people coming to their site. So the the platform is still very popular. They had more than 200 million monthly active users uh, by the end of 2020, and but the on the on the real estate side. 
the hot housing market sort of burns it in a little bit because if you think about it, I mean, I have have friends, uh, have some friends that are like house hunting right now in Florida, and uh, they've I've heard horror stories where they had to wait in like an hour line just to get into an open house, and uh, and partly because of COVID because they don't want too many people in the house, but also because people are just it, it's just a seller's market. Uh, one property uh, that that uh, this couple uh, that that I know that went to go see. Uh, the very first weekend that it was available, they said, I'm just taking backup offers because I already got like a bunch of offers wide wow. unseen. So oh it my is, gosh. this is great if you're selling a home, but for Zillow, which is saying, hey, let me sell your house. People are going to say, no, maybe I don't need you. Uh, and also the fact that uh, with with the homes flipping so quickly, uh, there's really not the, the real estate agents really don't have time to be on there uh, uh, and, and trying to smoke out leads. Things are happening very quickly. The flip side to this, of course, is that people are glued to Zillow, and that's going to be very good in the future. And even though uh, the last couple quarters have been rough for Zillow because they sort of stopped their home buying program, they they, they slowed it down just because of the pandemic. Um, their IMT segment, which stands for Internet Media and Technology, which is the core that we knew Zillow uh, from way back when, which is uh, the premier agents, the online advertising, everything that made Zillow, Zillow, the Zestimates, all that stuff – is grew revenue by 33% in its latest quarter versus a 50% decline in the home buying segment. So it's a company that's really doing a lot of things right. But yeah, real estate is hot. And that's why Zillow, the stock is even hotter. Well, thank you for that, Rick. And you know, I, I do love stories that transform uh, caterpillars that become butterflies. And of these five companies reflecting on them, I mean, all of them are dynamic. Each has definitely gone through a few larval stages over the last three years that we've all watched this group together. But Zillow, more than any of them, really has transformed. It may or may not still work. It's not clear that this was a great move to start not just providing Zestimates to everybody and allow realtors to advertise in their local zip code, but to start flipping houses itself is flipping incredible, Rick. So we're going to see how this plays out for, for Zillow. But so far, uh, the returns are looking pretty doggone good, in part because of a hot real estate market. Well, again, Rick, thank you for sharing your insights. We spent a little extra time on this one because this is the last we'll ever talk about. Five stocks I own that you should, too, in the full accounting, these five stocks. Again, the stock market averaged 55.7% over those three years, uh, closed last Friday. This group of stocks averaged 122.3%. Up 66.6%. We'll just round that. We'll lose the fraction. Call it 66 percentage points per stock beating the market. So, Rick, these were five stocks that I hope that we all own together. I'm glad I own them. I trust many of our fellow fools listening in on them. Rick, do you own any of these stocks? I do own Alphabet. I do own one of the five. Uh, I, I've, I've loved the other four. And Zillow is a company that I have a very strong affinity for. Uh, but Alpha yeah. is the only one that's, that I own right now. Yes. Well, that was a double over these last three years. So that was a pretty good one to cherry pick from the markets at large. Well, thank you again, Rick Binares, for reviewing this one with me. We'll call a wrap on five stocks I own that you should too. Fool on, Rick. All right. Well, some final thoughts from me here. The overall performance of our 29 five stock samplers as of market close today, Tuesday, April 20th, We've done this 29 times, five. I think that's something like 145 stock picks. They average 101.3% each versus the market's 37.9%. 
the reason that The Motley Fool exists, or a big part of the passion that Tom and I had as we started our company 27 years ago, is to go after what I consider to be one of the great misunderstandings of our time, the conventional wisdom that you can't beat the market except for luck. Random walk down Wall Street, efficient markets theory, a lot of people, academia has convinced a lot of people in the last generation that to actually beat the market is not practicable. It's not worth your time. If you do so, you're just a monkey who got lucky with a blindfold on throwing darts. And I totally disagree with that. And I hope that these five stock samplers, including the three that I shared with you today, are proof positive in a way to the world at large that the act of thinking about what company you might want to buy, not just settling for an index fund, the gentlemen see, as I've often said, I love them too. And People can use funds to diversify some, but the notion that you and I can beat the market averages by finding the great companies, avoiding the bad ones, making your portfolio reflect your best vision for our future. I love what these five stock samplers have said, not just one of them, 29 of them over about six years running at this point. So a delight then to say goodbye once and for all to five stocks I own that you should too plus 122 versus 56 for the market. That's a plus 66 for that sampler. Two years ago, five stocks for the age of miracles and underperformer, one of the five out of the historical 29 that has underperformed so far up just 4%, the market up 43 percentage points, so a minus 39. But then we got to this five stocks for the coronavirus as we opened up today with Tom King, 240 versus the market's 50 plus 190 points. So if you were to just total up these three taken together, plus 66 minus 39, that's a plus 27. And then we add in the 190 from five stocks for the coronavirus. We get to 217 divided by three different samplers. So these three samplers, if you just bought all 15, you average beating the market for each of the 15 stocks by 72 percentage points. Truly Remarkable, exciting performance to share. I always rub my hands together before these review of Paloozas. I never quite know how the numbers are going to turn out. And just as Intuitive Surgical may be up or down after hours this evening, or Editas Medicine may just be a fraction of where it was three months ago. The volatility will continue, but it's to the upside when you are a rule breaker using time as your greatest ally. Two housekeeping notes at close. A reminder again. The Rule Breaker Investing Mailbag is yours next week. Come join me next week to look through some of the best stories, questions, quotes, poems, whatever is shared uh, for next week's mailbag. RBI at fool.com is our email address. And I'll just mention finally in closing that each of the three samplers that I shared with you today was its own podcast. So if you want to go back, as Rick Munares did, he mentioned what I was saying three years ago. So he'd obviously listened to that. Well, you can avail yourself of that too. Just Google five stocks for the coronavirus, Rule Breaker Investing, and you can find it on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts. Those are there for all time. What I was saying, how right I was, in some cases, how wrong I was. That's all part of The Motley Fool's transparency and our commitment through our podcast to create great stuff for free for you. Have a great week. Fool on. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.